Hey, what's up? It's Luke, and I wanted to let you know that this is the second sermon in our series, uh, Love Over Likes, Choosing God's Affection Over Digital Temptation. This sermon was initially taught on a Wednesday night in front of the youth group, but we forgot to hit record. And so here I am. I'm going to be recording it after the fact, and we're going to post it. hope that you enjoy, and I hope that the Lord uses it in your life. Be blessed. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This week, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to love the Lord with all of your heart. And I just want to start by saying it's one really interesting thing about ancient Israel is that they believed that all intellectual activity happened in the heart. They didn't, they didn't really have a word for brain. Uh, they believed that uh, in your heart, you could know things, you could understand things, you could discern things, and that you could actually feel in your heart things like pain, fear, distress, that you could be depressed in your heart, that you could experience joy in your heart. Uh, so for the ancient Israelites, the heart was where you sustained your physical life. They knew it was an organ, but it's also where you think and where you feel uh, and where you make choices. And so uh, as we are in this series, choosing God's affection over digital temptation, and, and especially as we talk about loving the Lord with your heart, uh, I think that it would be a big whiff if we didn't talk about how technology impacts our thinking. And the reason I want to connect heart and thinking in this is because, uh, is because they're one and the same for ancient Israel. Uh, and so let's talk a bit about how tech impacts our thinking uh, you know, one thing that's crazy is there has never been a time when people have been more constantly bombarded with input, like in, in human history. At nearly every moment, day or night, some media is fighting to embed its message on your brain. There are enticing gifs to distract you. There are scandalous social media stories to draw you in. We, After all, we stand in front of screens in restaurants and stores and lobbies and airports. Uh, our homes and cars have screens. And if we aren't listening to screens, then there's music or podcasts implanting their ideas. Uh, we don't even go to the bathroom without looking at a screen, right? Uh, the thing is, is now phones are waterproof because uh, we need to bring them in the shower, evidently. Uh, and last week, we talked about, uh, about how these devices, they're designed carefully by those who spend millions, billions of dollars to to get ideas into your head. These devices are created to take your attention because they have so much access to our minds, they can, in a, in a way, control us. They can implant an idea or give us a cause to pick up or tell us what to like and buy. Uh, they can even tell us how to think about ourselves or the world or God. And what I've found as I've kind of like looked around at our world is that a screen-saturated mind ultimately makes us more selfish. If you just think about it, the, the algorithm is designed to give you what you want and what you like. And scripture says to deny ourselves, right? And so if there is an algorithm or a device that's designed to give you whatever you want, it's, it's probably going to make you more selfish. The fruit ends up being the exact opposite of a spirit-filled characteristics of Galatians 5. Just think of what describes most social media. Would any of the nine fruits of the spirit... Uh, describe it. It's actually more like the opposite. The fruit of tech is selfishness, regret, anxiety, impatience, meanness, 
evil, disloyalty, harshness, and self-indulgence. It, it like it it gets into our head and it makes us more selfish. So um, the thing is, you can't really talk about the mind and the effects that tech has on our minds without talking about addiction. And what is what is addiction, anyways? Um, I want to take a moment to explain addiction because the, because there's power in understanding how addiction works. You see, there's actually a, a pain and a pleasure center in your brain, and it's located in the same spot. And they've discovered something very interesting about how the pain and pleasure center of your brain works. Imagine with me for a second that you, in your brain you have a seesaw. On one end of the seesaw you have pain, and on the other end of the seesaw you have pleasure. And your, your brain and your body wants the seesaw to stay equal or level. So what happens is when we press down on the pleasure side of the seesaw, the brain, it compensates by pushing down on the pain side of the seesaw. When we push down on the pleasure side, our brain creates dopamine, and dopamine is a feel-good chemical. And the body, it compensates this by creating less dopamine receptors. And over time, as people press down too hard or too often on the pleasure side of the brain, they start to walk around with a, a sort of dopamine de deficit. This causes issues because instead of leveling back out after intense pleasure, we tank. Our baseline uh, becomes below equal. We need mo more of our quote-unquote drug and more potent forms of it to feel more normal. And we become kind of in this depressed kind of state when we push on dopamine too, too often and too much. Uh, and we ultimately become addicted to those things and have to pursue more intense forms of them. This causes an addiction with, with symptoms of, of withdrawal. Withdrawal can feel like anxiety, irritability, insomnia, and depression. And, and the problem is, is that this addiction is not like limited to what it was in the past. In the past, people got addicted to things like nicotine and cocaine and heroin. But the crazy thing is that science and technology and innovation has allowed us to, to drugify anything. Uh, if you're not addicted yet, it's probably coming to a website near you. Now, because of tech, things like food and social connection and sexuality, they've all been drugified. And so just real quick, I want to talk about what makes something addicting. There's four things that make something addicting. It's quantity, access, potency, and novelty. Quantity, like th that, that's things like the endless feed or endless buying options, endless games in the app store, access. That, these are things where there is instant access and, and you can just get it at the, at the snap of a finger. There's potency and we see online that you can get more hardcore versions of whatever it is that you're into. And then there's novelty, something that's new. It seems to draw us in and cause us to be addicted. Listen to what Anna Lemke says. Uh, she says that the smartphone is essentially a hypodermic syringe delivering digital dopamine 24-7 for our wired generation. The smartphone totally changed things. And we have to ask ourselves, is it God's best for me to be addicted to anything? 1 Corinthians 6:12 says, You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Ephesians 5:18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. And so Corinthians says that like 
we should not become a slave to anything, yet we, because phones have become a source of addiction for us, we've become enslaved to them. Ephesians says not to get drunk with wine, um, and, and so I know it's talking, talking especially about like alcohol, but I think that the same can be true, that we can get kind of drunk on our tech, uh, that we can be corrupted by it, and, uh, and instead we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by Him, not guided by our tech. It's, it's because of this addiction uh, that I also believe that, that not only that our discernment is affected by tech and, and that not, it not only affects our heart and mind in that way through addiction, but I also think that technology negatively affects our emotions. There have been lots of studies that have talked about how technology leads to depression. Uh, a study done in the 2010s, uh, it was called the Monitoring of the Future. It was a survey that was founded by the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Uh, and they've been uh, interviewing 12th graders uh, with more than 1,000 questions every year since 1975. Uh, but since 1991, they've included 8th and 10th graders. And they've been asking teens how happy they are. And they've also asked them about how they spend their free time. And the results could not be clearer. Teens who spend more time on screens are more likely to be unhappy and teens who spend more time on non-screen activities will be more likely to be happy. All screen activities are linked to less happiness and all non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. These are huge claims. Uh, and it was back in 2012 when, when over 50% of the population had a smartphone. It's when the, when the balance shifted and, and since then they've seen that teens are feeling more lonely and that ever since 2013, teens have gotten lonelier and lonelier each year. It's caused people to feel left out. Uh, in, in, in 2015, which is quite a while ago, it said that 48% more of girls said they felt left out uh, in 2015 than in 2010. So just in a five-year gap, 48% of girls said they felt more left out. Uh, you compare that with boys, and they 27% of boys felt left out. And so we see that tech has, has ha really affected our mental health. It's caused us to be addicted to things. It's caused us to, it's, it's affected our emotional state. And so um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the gospel answers this, that, that God, he created us to be with him, but our sin and our selfishness uh, has caused us to seek out our own pleasure. And we find a lot of our pleasure on tech and we seek after it to our own detriment. Uh, but, but thankfully, God doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave us in this broken state. He doesn't leave us searching for meaning and, and wallowing in, in digital addiction and temptation. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be in right relationship with him. And, that, and, and we don't have to wait until heaven to be in right relationship with God, we can be in right relationship with him now. Even though our hearts are fundamentally wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, who can understand it? Our, our hearts and mind left to their own devices, they are wicked. But Jesus came so that our heart could be circumcised. Uh, Deuteronomy 36 talks about this. It says that the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Uh, Psalm, Psalms, uh, Psalm 51, 10 through 12, it says this, 
Create in me a pure, the psalmist asked God to create in them a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so even though our hearts are wicked, we can ask God to create a clean heart in us. Finally, I love this in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says that God will give Israel a new heart and put a new spirit in them, that he'll remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And so maybe you are listening to this message and and you know that your mind and your heart have been corrupted by seeking after your own desires and and finding those desires fulfilled on tech. I want you to know that um, starting now, uh, you can start to have your desires met by the living God. Uh, and, And all that looks like is first just asking God to clean and circumcise your heart, to soften your heart, to remove your heart of stone. And then Ultimately, we need to begin to to think about the right things. Uh, The things that we think about uh, shape what we do. And so, uh, like, you know, Psalm uh, 1, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. We need to begin meditating on the things of God so that he can transform our mind. Or consider Colossians 3, 2 that says, set your minds on things above, not earthly things. So often we're on our tech and we just can't stop thinking about it. We're thinking about beating that next game or we're thinking about if how many likes we're getting. Uh, we're thinking about the new, the new series that's going to be released on Netflix um, and so it's not obsessing over these things. It's obsessing about something, something different and something more life-giving. So we can begin to set our minds on things above, the things of Christ, not on earthly things. Uh, there's Philippians uh, 4, 8, who, and it kind of speaks in the same vein. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so it really comes down to thinking about what we're thinking about, right? So often we just think about uh, things because ideas are presented to us through tech or otherwise. And it's really thinking about what we're thinking about, choosing to guide our thoughts into the right ways and creating new pathways forward for our thinking. Uh, and, and we really can, the, the cool thing about this is that we really can renew our mind. Maybe you feel like, man, my mind is so corrupt. It's so dirty from all these things I've seen online or all these things that have been put into my brain. But I find so much hope in knowing that our mind can be renewed. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many people, they're, they're not even fighting the, the current. They're just going with it. They're, they're going with whatever current that, that tech takes them on. But we are not to conform to that current, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we can partner with God in doing that. It's God that gives us the strength to transform our thinking. And then we partner with him. We say yes to his Holy Spirit in allowing our mind to be renewed. First Peter 1 13 says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. And so may we, Cedar Mill Youth, have minds that are alert and fully sober, not addicted to tech, but instead we are waiting for Christ's return. We are setting our eyes on him. 
And so uh, my challenge, the challenge I, I gave youth when I preached this at youth was, uh, was to have a tech fast. There was, we talked about how in our mind there's input uh, that we need to watch. Um, we need to watch what we're putting in. And so I talked about make, maybe taking a day of tech fast, just 24 hours of getting away from uh, tech and allowing tech to to put input into your brain. And then I gave them a challenge of, of meditating and memorizing a scripture. Um, so it's taking out bad input and it's putting in good input. And I challenged our students to to memorize Romans 12 2, which is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you're listening to this and you would like to participate in the tech challenge that we did each week, I when I initially preached this, I challenged our students to uh, remove uh, certain tech from their life, to do a tech fast for 24 hours. Uh, maybe to remove all tech or maybe just to remove a form of tech, whether that's watching a show or being on your phone, whatever it might be, that you would remove an input uh, from the world and that you would add an input from God. And in this case, I challenged students to try memorizing scripture. I told them to, to, to memorize Romans 12 too, which is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so if you'd like to join us in that challenge, you can do that. Um, But for now, I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll close out. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who's able to come and transform our heart, that even though our heart is deceitful, that it's wicked, that we, we can be given a heart transplant in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to uh, partner with you in the renewing of our mind. As we meditate on your law day and night, Lord, I pray that it would uh, start affecting the way that we live, that we would see that your way really is the better way. We love you, God. It's your name that we pray. Amen.